readers, and welcome to Episode 3 of Lost the Plot, Lost Media's monthly podcast all about books. I'm your host, Ang Harrod, and today we're going to be talking about free books. But first, let's check out book news. There is a lot of book news today, so buckle up. To begin with, a little bit of follow-up on last episode's Shakespeare story. Last month, we talked about the first folio of Shakespeare's collected works, discovered in a manor called Mount Stuart on the Isle of Bute, an island off the west coast of Scotland. To give us all an idea of how much this discovery is worth, a set of four first editions, including another copy of Shakespeare's first folio, sold at auction in London in May for 2.5 million pounds. The first folio itself fetched £1.87 million alone. Wow. So there was also follow-up to last episode's story about the Future Library Project. The second contributor in the 100-year artwork, David Mitchell, well known for his book Cloud Atlas, submitted his manuscript for his book From Me Flows What You Call Time, a 90-page novella that will be sealed away until the year 2114. That is a long time away. And speaking of a long time, like Queen Elizabeth this year, A.A. Milne's classic children's story, Winnie the Pooh, reached its 90th birthday, and in celebration, Disney has released a new storybook where Pooh and his friends meet the Queen of England. You can listen to the story for free, read by Jim Broadbent, by checking out the links below in the show notes. May was also a really big month for literary awards. The winner has been announced for the International Man Booker Prize, The Vegetarian, a novel by Korean writer Han Kang. The winner for the 2015 Nebula Awards has also been announced, a novel called Uprooted by Naomi Novik. There have been some pretty tantalizing hints at upcoming book releases. Internet darling Ali Brosh, known for her book and blog Hyperbole and a Half, has written and illustrated a second book. Titled Solutions and Other Problems, the release date has been scheduled for the 25th of October. Neil Gaiman has also mentioned that he's finished writing a new book, but we don't know any details about it whatsoever, though he's promised they will be forthcoming over the next few months. In other news, I got to go along to a book book launch at Muse, uh, which is a bookshop in Canberra, of a collection of essays by Australian activists called Breaking the Boundaries. Book launches are basically the best thing ever because there's cheese, wine, books, and the opportunity to get your book signed. Also in May, I got to go see Rosalie Ham speak and got a copy of her book, The Dressmaker, which was recently made into a film, signed as well. So I'm feeling pretty happy about getting a lot of books signed lately. On the 25th of May was Towel Day, a day in tribute to the late Douglas Adams. There is a silly little Facebook game for Towel Day that you can check out in the show notes. A little more seriously, there has been some pretty big news for writers and publishers in Australia. The Productivity Commission has released a draft report on intellectual property arrangements, which have attracted criticism from Australian authors and publishers alike. You can read the report yourself in full in the show notes. And it's all quite complex, but I'll try to briefly summarize the main issues with respect to books. 
The first issue, under the rather charged heading of copy not right, is about copyright laws around books in Australia. Currently, under the Copyright Act of 1968, the duration of copyright over published literary works is 70 years after the author's death. This was increased about a decade ago from the rule of 50 years after the author's death. The Productivity Commission is recommending a huge overhaul of this scheme and reducing copyright over literary works to a mere 25 years after publication, moving towards a system of fair use for books. The report states the following. The evidence, and indeed logic, suggests that the duration of copyright protection is far more than is needed. Few, if any, creators are motivated by the promise of financial returns long after death, particularly when the commercial life of most works is less than five years. It then goes on to say, A number of studies have been attempted to estimate the duration of protection where the benefits to holders are matched by the cost to users. These studies find that a term of around 25 years enables rights holders to generate revenue comparable to what they would receive in perpetuity, in present value terms, without imposing onerous costs on consumers. Now, understandably, these claims have drawn a lot of criticism, especially from Australian authors. One of my favourite Australian authors, Jackie French, has written an open letter damning these proposed changes to copyright, which you can check out in the links below. Now, I feel like the issue of copyright protection is pretty clear-cut. Australia has an incredibly rich literary culture. Authors like Mem Fox, Bryce Courtney, Tim Winton, books like The Book Thief, to suggest that those kinds of publications are only of interest for 25 years is ludicrous. Just look at writers such as Banjo Patterson, Henry Lawson, Mae Gibbs. Look at books such as My Brilliant Career, A Fortunate Life, Blinky Bill. Australian literature is not transient. It's permanent and it's part of our rich multicultural heritage. Authors have a right to benefit financially from their works during at least their own lifetime. Perhaps seven years past death is a little excessive, but certainly copyright at a minimum should extend to an author's death. What is not so clear-cut is the second issue raised in the report, parallel import restrictions on books. For those playing at home, currently in, Australian, currently in Australia, booksellers may not import books where the copyright of those particular books is already held by an Australian author or publisher. Essentially, if there's an Australian edition of a book, booksellers can't import editions from overseas for sale. The report describes these laws, again, quite emotively, as follows. Parallel import restrictions on books are the analogue equivalent of geo-blocking. Now, in comparison to the copyright issue, this one is much more complex. The main reason it's so much more complex is that there are a lot more players involved. Firstly, you have Australian consumers. Then you have Australian publishers. You have Australian booksellers. And, of course, you have Australian writers. Then you have overseas publishers. Then you also have websites such as the Book Depository and Amazon. The main rationale behind removing the parallel importation restrictions is getting a better price for the consumer, especially for both hard copy books and ebooks. And I assume this will generate more business for booksellers. Prices for hard copy books in Australia are expensive. This is not a surprise to anyone. However, as a result of expensive books, Australian consumers have 
for years been buying books from online bookstores, especially ones like Book Depository, Fish Pond, that have both cheap prices and free shipping. Competition from online distributors has put a lot of booksellers in Australia under, sla- under strain. Rest in peace forever, borders. However, it hasn't been fatal to the book industry. Chain stores like Dimmix and QBD have managed to hang on, and niche and independent and even bulk bookstores are still trading. In fact, I actually think that the price of books has dropped in response to the ability of consumers being able to order online. Furthermore, as a consumer of books myself, I can tell you right now that my interests are not just about the price. Usually when I buy a book online, it's because I'm looking for a particular edition that never was or is no longer available in Australia. Asking bookshops to order something in for me is a pain in the neck when I can just do it myself online. My interests aren't just about pretty editions either. Well, at least 5% of my interests aren't about pretty editions. I also really enjoy browsing bookstores. Picking books up, reading blurbs, taking notes of ones that I want to come back later and buy. When I'm looking for a particular book, my first stop is actually in a real live bookshop. And I often come away with random little finds that have caught my eye because I've got pretty little covers or they sound interesting. So removing parallel importation is clearly not entirely just for the consumers. Responses from authors have been largely negative. Some have been downright scathing, such as Tim Winton, who describes this kind of government interference as a massive own goal. However, this kind of response hasn't been unanimous. Um, It is important to understand that often it is really hard to get a publishing deal in Australia, and local authors do turn to overseas publishers, which further muddies the issue of who's importing, what they're importing, where they're importing to. Australian publishers are obviously reluctant to give up the monopoly on their books, and some publishers like Penguin Australia have been pretty clear about where they stand on this issue. Recent moves by Canada and New Zealand to remove parallel import restrictions haven't actually been all they were cracked up to be, and there's been a lot of criticism about how any benefits to consumers have been really quite short-term and and not long-lasting. So parallel import restrictions are a tricky issue with lots of stakeholders involved. I am not convinced that it will be the boon for consumers that it's promised to be, and I feel like the big winners in this scheme will probably be the booksellers themselves. However, it is important to note that these so far have just been restrictions, and as far as I'm aware, there haven't been any moves by the government to implement these uh, new copyright laws. But if you want to learn more about the recent proposed changes to book copyright, Check out the links below in the show notes. So if you've managed to stick with me through that really long segment on book pricing, let's get straight into today's theme, free books. Now, everyone likes free stuff. And if you're listening to this podcast, it's a pretty safe bet you like books. So I'm sure that most of my listeners would be pretty interested in hearing about how to get their hands on free books. Well, just you listen up. So before I tell you all the ways to and not to get free books, I'd like to make a little disclaimer. I 100% support authors getting paid for their work. In fact, I support authors getting paid well for their work. 
Writers who get paid well are going to be able to spend more t- of their time doing what we want them to do, writing, and less of their time worrying about other things like paying bills. That being said, there are plenty of ways to get free books without ripping off your favorite authors, and I am going to tell them to you now. May is quickly becoming one of my favorite book months, and a huge reason for that is because the 7th of May was Free Comic Book Day. That's right, Free Comic Book Day, where you get comic books for free. A lot of how things play out depends on your local store. I headed down to Impact Comics Canberra at about quarter past nine on a Saturday morning and lined up outside the store. It actually wasn't as busy as I was dreading, which was why I'd gotten up so early in the first place. I wandered through a marquee of kids' comics and looked at some of the keen beans who were hanging out taking photos in cosplay, and then I waited outside the door for security to announce that the next round of people could come in. Inside, it was pretty serious, and people were critically examining each comic. This time, I had actually been extremely organized, and I had already picked out which comics that I wanted from the website, so all I had to do was identify them on the table and snatch them up for myself. Once I had my four free comic books, I scuttled to the door hoping I was still in time for my free show bag. I was so in time, and I got a bunch of extra goodies as well. And you can check out some photos below in the show notes. And then, on my way to the car park, two middle-aged ladies chatted to me more about the event. One of them derided me for not bringing my boyfriend along to get even more comic books. I was stunned. It hadn't even occurred to me to be either that greedy or that smart. I would not make much of a supervillain. If you missed out on free comic book day, do not despair. Not only will it be coming around next year, but Impact Comics have a bunch of great comics available for free online, and you can check them out in the show notes below. Another great way to access books guilt-free online is via Project Gutenberg. Project Gutenberg is a website that is pretty much a free ebook library for books that are no longer in copyright. You can search for books and then download them in a variety of formats straight to your computer, your e-reader, your Kobo, whatever. However, these aren't the only ways I've experimented with getting free books online. If you spend any great amount of time on the internet, you may have heard of something called Reddit. For those who haven't, Reddit is an absolutely enormous website in a message board style where you can post pretty much anything you like and comment on other people's posts. Popular posts are voted up, unpopular ones are voted down. There are heaps of subreddits which are usually more niche to particular topics. Uh, There's something for everyone, for better or for worse. Anyway, one thing that Reddit does that I partake in from time to time is Reddit gifts. Pretty much what this is, is a worldwide secret Santa where you sign up, get matched with some random person, and you send them a gift. Someone else gets matched up with you, and they send you a gift. It's usually pretty fun, but some gifts are better than others, and sometimes people are a bit lame and don't end up sending a gift. But, you know, there's, there's ways around that. Anyway, so once a year, Reddit Gifts runs a book exchange. So it's not quite free books, but you do get books in return, and sometimes your Santa is quite generous. So far, I've participated in two book exchanges. My first book exchange last year, I picked a book called The End of Mr. Y for an English philosophy student who was living in Poland. I felt like it would be an absolute perfect book for this person based on their interests and what they like to read. And However, unfortunately, they didn't receive the book from the place I ordered it from. So I had to go through this whole rigmarole of organizing for a second copy to be sent out. 
Then I never heard back from the my match whether they received either copy. I was a little bit bummed about that. However, my Santa was much more on the money and sent me a copy of Cloud Street by Tim Winton to add to my slowly growing Penguin Australian Classics collection. And man, these books are pretty with their pretty coloured pages. Oh my gosh. They were exactly on the money and I was really, really pleased. So my second book exchange, which took place this year, was also a little awkward. Um, I, in a fit of generosity, sent three books to my match, a guy who was super keen on getting into some action-packed male main character fantasy sci-fi stuff. So I sent him a copy of Neuromancer by William Gibson. I sent him a copy of The Wind-Up Girl by Paolo Bacigalupi. And then I sent him a copy of Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. And my match was thrilled with these. And I was so happy that they arrived and they were all right up his alley. And he was really enthusiastic and it was great. So I received one book called Shiz Matrix. I think that's how you say it from My Santa. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Um, I'm not quite sure it is my thing, but of course I'll give it a red hot go. And I have to say, I did feel like my Santa did try really hard based on the preferences I'd put down. So hopefully I'll enjoy it. Anyway, then on a whim, I decided um, to sign up as a rematch Santa. Now, a rematch Santa is somebody who sends a gift for no gift in return to somebody who actually never received anything from their first Santa. So actually, this is the opposite of free books. I am now giving books away for free, but I don't mind. Anyway, so... My rematch was a teenage girl who lives in Canada who really likes anthropology. I did a bit of research and I, descended to se- I decided to send her a copy of Cat's Eye by renowned Canadian author Margaret Atwood. And something a little different, a membership and subscription to the Canadian Anthropological Society and Magazine. I thought I was so clever. Except my rematch never reported receiving that part of my gift. I had made the membership details go to her email address, so I was a bit confused about why she hadn't received it. Anyway, so I contacted the society, and they confirmed that even though I had put through my order for this membership, my rematch had contacted them and said that it must have been a mistake and must have been some kind of scam. Well, I have to say, if I came across a scam where people were buying me things for free, there is no way I would complain about it. Anyway, complained she did. So I sent her a message and I told her what happened and she was absolutely gobsmacked. She was really thrilled about the membership when she understood what was going on and a little bit sheepish about that fraud allegation. But I was just happy to get to the bottom of the mystery. Anyway, so Reddit gifts, book exchange, give a free book, you get a free book maybe or more or less. Anyway, worth a go, especially if you get matched by me. So another scheme I've come across for free books um, is uh, one that I've seen floating around on Facebook. And this scheme is, I'll have to, I'll let you know straight up, this scheme is a classic pyramid scheme. And it goes like this. You see a friend post a status on their Facebook page about getting 36 books for the price of one. 36 books? It sounds pretty good. Too good to be true even. But it's books, and if you're me, you're willing to give it a go. You comment below. And you receive a Facebook message with instructions. You are to send a book to the person a level above your friend. You then post the same status on your own wall. The six people who comment are to send a book each to your friend. They then post the status on their walls. And anyone who comments on their statuses are to send a book to you. So I shared the post on my wall. I 
picked my most favoritest book to send to the person a level above my friend, Watership Down. However, I only had two people comment on my post, so already my pool of potential books was greatly reduced from the promised 36 to a mere 12. Then, so far, disappointingly, but not surprisingly, I have received a total of zero books. I'm not too sad. I hope the person I sent my book to enjoys it, and it only cost me about $11 on the book depository. Still, let this be a warning to you kids. Pyramid schemes, they just don't deliver. But that's okay. There are still more ways for you to get free books. If you follow my book blog, Tinted Enches, at all, you might have noticed that I sometimes write about the UC Book of the Year, which is a book selected by the University of Canberra on an annual basis and handed out to first-year students for free. Well, was I in a stroke of luck this year? This year, by sheer circumstance, I and found myself enrolled at UC, and I was eligible for a copy of The Strays by Emily Bitter. All you have to do is enroll at UC, and you could get a free book too, plus, of course, your whopping great hex debt. Okay, so it's probably become pretty clear to you by now that there are some ways of getting free books that are definitely better than others, but this last one is pretty good. As a book blogger, my personal dream is for writers to send me books to review. Well, after a year of blogging, that dream has finally come true. I signed up to a website called Blog Tour, which is one of several websites floating around the intertubes that connect book bloggers with writers. Bloggers want free books. Writers want free publicity. Everyone wins. Just this May, I got my first ever hit from an author asking me to review a book. They've already sent me the ebook, and I'll be reviewing it on my book blog shortly. People sending me books for free to review. Living the dream, kids. Living the dream. I managed to squeeze in about six books in May, which I was pretty pleased with. The first was a book called Soul Mountain by Gao Xingjian, which... Again, excuse me for my pronunciation. Published in 1990 and the recipient of the Nobel Prize for Literature in the year 2000, I was expecting something pretty fantastic when I picked it up. As a rule, I really enjoy Chinese literature and storytelling, and Soul Mountain is a really interesting, evocative, and emotive read. The story structure is unique and incredibly inconsistent, which does make for maybe a bit of slow reading. However, and... It really is a book about mountains, the human soul and China, and at the end of the day, it actually was a really great read. The next book I read was by an author I actually know in person. The Devil's Intern by Donna Hosey is a unique and rollicking young adult novel about teenagers in hell who decide to change their fates. This book was a lot of fun, and I'm super pleased to have a signed copy by the author herself. Then came a book I have been anticipating for months. Joanne Harris's latest Mulberry Cycle novel, Different Class. It was just what the doctor ordered. Joanne Harris is a queen when it comes to literary sleight of hands, and I just adore how passionate she is about the, interest, the intricate politics of private schools. After that came The Help by Catherine Stockett. Unusually for me, I saw the movie first, then I read the book, and then I watched the film again. The book is far far superior to the film. I thought the film was good, but after reading the book, there was just so much more nuance and so much more critical detail that the book 
that the film had just skimmed over. I think that my only complaint was that I felt like it was a story that perhaps a black woman should have written. However, I was somewhat mollified by having read the novel Cane River the previous month, which was, in a lot of ways, the other side of the story. Next was another anticipated read, The Water Knife by Paolo Battigalupi. A post-apocalyptic novel about drought in America, I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've never had a book get me so interested in water reserves and government processes before in my life. Finally was The Dressmaker by Rosalie Hemp. Even though I managed to get my eager little hands on a signed copy, I have to say I just didn't enjoy this book as much as I had hoped to. There was something about the tone that was a bit off, something about tragedy being presented as absurd or even humorous when really all I was feeling was horror. A very productive reading month overall, and you can check out more detailed reviews on the book blog in the show notes. Alrighty, readers, that's it for today. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next podcast for June.